Hey everybody, Zach here. Quick note before we dive into this week's episode. So for those of you who are not aware, Enrollify is made possible because we have partnered with a select number of organizations to help us produce the content that we produce. And we call these organizations our strategic partners. Well, one of our strategic partners is Element 451. You guys have heard me talk about them before. They're one of the leading CRMs in the education space. They have the power of a slate, but the UX and design functionality of a HubSpot, they're just a really robust uh, operation and platform. Well, Element has just launched a brand new course called the Enrollment Analytics Course. And this is going to be an eight-week-long cohort that is led by Element's Chief Analytics Officer, JC Benia. The team there has put a ton of time and resources and energy into this course. I know it's going to be fantastic, but they're limiting the first cohort to just 20 people. And this is where it gets even better. So, Two Enrollify subscribers who apply before August 15th will be will receive a $300 discount on the course. The total course is $700, but it gets even better because one of those subscribers will get a full scholarship, and I get to pick who that subscriber is. I will take any and all bribes. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but this is a really cool opportunity. If you have a, a lot of data in your CRM and you're just not entirely sure how to actualize it, you aren't entirely sure, hey, how do I make better strategic decisions with my time? What sort of systems and processes and workflows should be set up to help me make sense of all of this data? Then this course is for you. Again, you don't have to be using Element to get value for this course. So if anyone who has any CRM who wants to make better, smarter marketing decisions with that CRM can benefit greatly from the enrollment analytics course. So head on over to element451.com forward slash analytics or scroll down to the show notes, click over to that landing page and apply. And if you talk to the team there, if you have any questions, uh, you know, feel free to say that you're an Enrollify subscriber. Uh, that will help us and that will help Element. Or if you have any specific questions about the course offering, feel free to reach out to me directly. All right, everybody, enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Zach here, and today I am chatting with Kyle Campbell, who is a content marketing manager at Unibuddy. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, Kyle, what time is it? You you are in the UK right now, so what time is it over there? Uh, it's just after 7 o'clock, so it's not too late. The sun's set up, so yeah, let's, uh, let's crack on. Sun's still up for uh, another, you know, few weeks, and then I'm sure 7 p.m. ish, it'll be the dark before we know it. Once the the fall rolls around, I saw yeah, I saw something from um, one of the uh, the newsletters I follow, uh, like Morning Brew, in in their um, uh, I guess like the opening to their newsletter today. They were talking about how today's the longest day in New York City uh, until like next April. Um, so they said, you know, enjoy every second of sunshine and humidity, uh, you know, you can while it lasts. So yeah. anyhow, <laughs> I digress. Um, so Kyle, I'm really excited for today's conversation for our listeners. Kyle and I, I literally found a blog post that he wrote that was shared by somebody. I don't even remember who on LinkedIn clicked through the blog post, read about his kind of thoughts on community marketing and how community marketing works in higher ed. I sent him a connection request 
said, hey man, love this piece. Would you want to come on the show? Within, I don't know, an hour, a couple hours or so, he responded and he said he's accepted my connection request, said yes. And that is just a testament to the power of LinkedIn right now. We were just talking before we before we got on how LinkedIn organic is just so powerful at the moment. And we're hoping that it stays that way, but probably <laughs> won't. Um, anyways, this was a, a lot longer. And now I'm just sort of like uh, talking off the beaten path here. But Kyle, one of the things I like to do at the start of every episode is ask my interviewee a different question. So the question that I've prepped for you is, what's something that's not on your LinkedIn profile that you're especially proud of accomplishing so far over the course of your career? So this isn't like the opportunity to slip in the, I have an awesome family and my kids are amazing. Like that, that's, that might be true and that's great. But professionally speaking, whether it was a project that you worked on, uh, you know, a side hustle that you ran, whatever it might have been, what's something that folks wouldn't know about your professional experiment, your your professional experience that you're especially proud of? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question because you know I think we're all kind of in the habit now of putting literally everything on our LinkedIn profiles. <laughs> um, so, I mean, for me, I think with any kind of platform, we we often kind of shine up the things that the great achievements don't we and we we almost hide the journeys um so for me i i think my sort of my greatest achievement would be you know professionally turning what some people thought was a great weakness into sort of the thing that makes me money <laughs> um so you know i don't think i'd be surprised to your listeners that as a content marketer one of my superpowers is is writing and communication um but the reality is, it, it, you know, that nearly wasn't the case um, because throughout my education, um, believe it or not, you, you know, people didn't see that the value of using words and language differently. And mm. that's you know, just the way the education system is these days. It's 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 no it's no attack on anyone in particular. Um, but what what that resulted in for me was being taken out of you know, mainstream classes and and put into like support groups and huh. often the conversations would go that you know and Kyle you've, you've got to stop writing these short sentences and starting them with and you know <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying no that's that's how people talk you know uh, and you know I mean I, I guess it came to a head once when you know in our secondary school was sort of taken out put in a little room and and given a computer that was you know had pictures on the screen and they were shouting out the names of like what was on the screen like cat dog mouse and I had to fill in the gaps and I, I don't know I just remember feeling like really kind of like I, I didn't belong there you know and um almost angry if you like and wanting to kind of prove people wrong and you know off the back of that i, I you know i built a career in in writing and, and communication because it's you know i knew i could do it so you know here i am and i guess that i'd say to anyone who's looks back over education and thinks you know ah, maybe that wasn't quite right that you know look at it again it's you know now you're an adult you might be surprised what you find so no, I haven't put that on my LinkedIn profile, but maybe I should. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it sounds to me that you were a copywriter before people were talking about copywriting like they do today. <laughs> you were you understood conversational marketing before that was even a thing. So it sounds like, uh, I don't know, you were you were an early adopter of what would become some of the, you know, very trends that enrollment marketers, marketers in a number of industries 
employ in their in their everyday you know LinkedIn post. So um, I I love that. That's a that's a great answer to the question. So we're going to talk a lot about community marketing today and and really how that fits into higher ed. Um, we're going to tackle some do's and don'ts. But first, I want to start with a couple of what's. So first up is what is Unibuddy for folks that you know have maybe heard about Unibuddy but aren't entirely sure what. Uh, the platform is, what the company is. And then second, how would you go about defining community marketing for folks that might not be particularly familiar with the term? Yeah, sure. So well, for me, like Unibuddy's a bit of a wake-up call. Um, the higher education marketing is changing. So um, our founder, Diego, you know, he was an international student and you know, when applying for schools, uh, he was finding it really hard to tell them apart. Um and I think that's the problem with our sector in general, really, is that a lot of the time we lead with like USPs and rankings and things that are rational. Um, but often, like the, if you like, the decision for a student to study at a university is is emotional. Mm. You know, it's about belonging, feeling fit. You know, you, you know this stuff. Um, but unfortunately, not every student has the luxury of being able to travel around the world and visit all the campuses and get a sense of these conversations and fit. So. Now, the idea behind UniBuddy when it was created was, you know, to allow those sort of human impressions, if you like, to occur anywhere. Um, and the the kind of realisation of that is, you know, being able to have as a user student to student conversations as easy as sending like a WhatsApp message. So the widget just kind of embeds on a university website and then, you know, that the person using that service, they get all that great trusted student to student conversation on a, on a secure platform. I mean, that's, that's what the product is. Um, and to your, to your second question, um, you know, why, why is it important? Um, I think it's important because that's where marketing's going, hmm. you know, uh, in the eighties and nineties, you know, our, our interactions with brands were typically through a, a mediator, whether that's through like a sales person or some kind of like print publication or a catalog or whatever it is you know um but now we live in a time of you know comparison sites and you know reviews and you know, the world's library in the palm of your hand so information is you know literally in the hand of the consumer hmm. it's no longer behind walls and barriers and things so community marketing if you like is about acknowledging that as a brand you know you, you no longer have control of your student narrative it's about acknowledging that the majority of marketing is is happening without you through word of mouth and, and conversation so really it's about how you can recapture back uh, some of that influence and you know you can you can do it through three ways you know first way is to one you, you embrace and create opportunities for students to speak to uh, other students uh, you know, two, you, you you learn how to influence those conversations. And, and three, you, you look at redefining the marketer's role so mm. as someone who creates meaning rather than someone who's pushing someone through a pipeline. That's uh, so well said. And as you're talking, I'm, I'm sort of just reminded of, you know, not too long ago, decade, even even, you know, 15, 20 years uh, ago the the university brand right the institution had all the power right they they mm. could say i mean they were the ones dropping you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on billboard campaigns or yeah. advertising on tv networks etc and they could craft that message and say whatever they wanted to <laughs> say and you know the consumer prospective students might 
might have disagreed, but like word of mouth, right, was, you know, one to one. Now word of mouth is I can say whatever I want on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat and quite literally thousands, maybe depending on how big my TikTok following is, tens of thousands of people all of a sudden know what I think about something. And so I think that the the challenge, right, and the opportunity for hired marketers today is to think a little bit about like, how do you actually invest in community so that you're building, right, a conglomerate of marketers that do say the things that you want to say because at the end of the day, their voice matters and has more influence than ever before, as you've just outlined. Absolutely. The, you know, if you want to f- summarize it in like your a slogan or something to live this stuff by, it's, you know, the student is now the marketer. Mm. You know? So how can you how can you grow that internal community if you like and, and and harness some of that great stuff they want to do because they, they want to talk about their experience with the brands you know and i'm sure we'll get onto it in a bit but you know for me it's a lot of it's about building a, a as marketers building a platform for these these students these ambassadors and advocates to say these things and reach a larger audience that's yeah. that's the challenge yeah so can you break down community marketing into a framework or into a particular concrete, you know, set of attributes uh, mm. just to help again? I, I think one of the things that is challenging for maybe some of our listeners as we, you know, interview awesome people like you regularly who talk about things like conversational marketing and community marketing and inbound marketing and SEO. And I think at times, right, it can look like, oh, is this just another strategy that's like repackaged? Like, is this just a new name for what we were calling digital advertising, you know, a few years ago? And it's not, right? These things are obviously related, but like these approaches, they shift as consumer behavior shifts. So, if you could just like get a little bit more practical here, like what is community marketing? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Anything that you can help share to help us uh, understand a little bit more what this thing actually is? Certainly. Well, community marketing is a, as a practice. I, would, I wouldn't say it's it's new. I mean, you know, if anything, it's it's probably being rediscovered uh, if you like, through the, through the digital age. I mean, community marketing used to be about, you know, you, you shop local, you, you know the person who you buy your green, gro- <laughs> green groceries off, you know. Uh, yeah. But, you know, how does that translate to a digital world, if you like? And that's about, you know, niche audiences, niche communities. And I don't want to kind of alienate people too much here. But, you know, I, I'll tell you what, essentially what community marketing is and what it isn't, right? So community marketing is acknowledging your current student community and giving them opportunities and platforms like attract other people um and community marketing isn't a bunch of talking heads about how great a program is mm. you know that's more like a human advert and I, th- I think we kind of know that you know students are getting very good at blocking ads both technically and and mentally they just don't register with them um so in terms of a framework i mean i'd, I'd break it down into sort of three distinct areas and i'll, I'll try and throw some examples in of, of each to help people here so yeah. the, the first one um for me is storytelling and i know there's probably a few people sign right now because that in itself is becoming a cliche um <laughs> but I, I yeah i don't i don't want to talk about storytelling here in terms of the brand story because that's the thing that's been popular it's not about the brand story it's about the student's story so it's about flipping that narrative slightly so you know i think as you, you mentioned there were the billboards like universities you know they'll spend a lot of time putting together these huge hero pieces mm. in, in the form of video in this case um 
But what amazes me, and it consistently amazes me, that sometimes these things go out to the tune of like hundreds, thousands of dollars, and not one of them contains like a single student voice, mm. you know? Um, that's insane to me. Yeah. I mean, how how can you promote a university without hearing from the people in the community? Um but it happens. So an example of a hero video with students at a centre, I mean, I advise people to have a look at Pace University. And, you know, that's a very simple sort of format they've got going on. And what they, they do is they've got their hero video, but they asked a bunch of their students, I think 10 to 15 of them, what Pace is. And the students simply responded in their own sentences and their own sort of interpretation. And the video is beautifully edited together. You see students from all over the country and talking about like their experiences and, um, it feels very um, uh, focused on a student community rather than something that's being sold to people. So that's yeah. the key difference for me there. Um, the, the second thing, and I've, I've, I've spoken about this a couple of times now, is giving your students a platform to do it, to talk about these experiences. Um, and I'm not just talking about UniBuddy here. I mean, any sort of platforms are great things. So, you know, um, you've got hundreds of thousands of advocates wanting to tell their story. Um, you just need to show them a channel to do it. So Indiana um, University is a really great example of this. Um, they've given their TikTok account completely over to a team of digital ambassadors. Um, you can tell because the content's actually humorous. It's engaging. It's funny. <laughs> um, and it's because, you know, they they get how to use that channel and Yes, it's kind of student-focused content. It's a little bit risky, but it's getting views. It's getting hundreds of thousands of views because they know the audience. You know, again, yeah. this is a calculated risk on the part of universities. Um, and you know, and finally, um, and the one that I think's probably, I don't know, isn't as important, but it's certainly something that's overlooked. Um, you know, the third is be consistent. You know, and build trust over time. So, like the number one reason these things fail. Um, it, it's not usually to do with the idea because we all have great ideas. Mm. Um, but the, the one reason that they, they fail is because the ideas aren't delivered consistently. Mm. You know, people lose interest, they lose the pace. Um, and we focus so much on these breakout viral pieces and it's, it's killing marketing in a way to think about that because they come along very rarely. <laughs> and when they do, they, they don't actually deliver that much success. And the, you know, I'm thinking of a, a, a video went viral recently on like TikTok and um, and LinkedIn. And it was, I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but it was that guy who was a, a visual effects artist. Yeah. And he was turning himself into snow and really weird random objects. And it was super, super amazing to watch someone that talented. Millions of views, but apparently he didn't make a dollar off it. You know, <laughs> didn't make anything off it. Yeah. So what use is virality if it doesn't deliver anything? So you know, focus on delivering an experience consistently to your audience over time and you'll get more returns in that one um, runaway viral hit. So that's my three sort of frameworks there to help put together this thing. You know, that was unbelievably helpful and I appreciate your uh, your conciseness there. Um, and as you're, as you're talking, a couple things come to mind that I want to circle back on. One yeah. being... Right, this idea of like including the student voice in marketing and messaging, and how you know when you see a billboard, like how often do you see mm. it in the voice of even a singular student, let alone like students plural, right? And mm. one of the things I was thinking about is you know we we live in a world today now where if you hear about a brand, right, whether it's from social media, whether it's via a podcast ad, whether it's you know a TV ad, whatever it might be, and you Google it, right. 
one of the first mm. things that you know Google does, and if this is a reputable reputable brand, is you you see the reviews, right? If it's a restaurant, you know, of course that's the first thing that you see. But even even some D to C brands, right? Even some other, you know, even SaaS companies, like you'll start seeing in the search results, right? Like Google mm -hmm. reviews, right? Before you even click yeah. through to the domain and get a sense for what the product actually is, and you know. I don't know about you, but I, I've never seen that pop up in any sort of like college or university search, right? Like when I'm searching for, you know, the name of an institution and whatnot, the the idea of their them either ranking, right, having a page on their domain that ranks for a particular pay, uh, for a particular keyword, or, or that is just this like plethora of like this resource of reviews that doesn't exist. Google reviews <laughs> don't really exist, right? Um, and so it's interesting. Higher Ed is historically behind other industries when it comes to yeah. adopting, you know, marketing best practices and whatnot. And everyone knows that, but I think what is particularly interesting is like we haven't figured out how to like marry like student reviews in university marketing communications. Like we haven't figured <laughs> out how to do that in a way that's that's good and that's helpful to the user yeah. to prospects. And maybe that's because maybe there's some fear about the value proposition. Maybe there, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. There's, there, I'm sure there's a number of reasons, but I think that the colleges and universities that think critically about this now, think, think about themselves as like, how could we pop up in Google reviews? Like what would it actually look like to have alumni review us, review particular programs? Like when you start asking those questions, right, I think that you you end up realizing if there is any issue with the value prop, right, then you can go and address that issue. But I think that that's where things are going. And it's really just a matter of like, when are you going to figure out what your strategy for generating user, you know, reviews, if you will, like, when are, when are you going to do that? Because it, it's it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen. It's going to become the new standard, right? To your yeah. point about how everything is like, a review site. The customer is the one with the microphone, not the brand anymore. So yes, that was the first yeah. thing that that popped uh, uh, that came to mind. And and the second thing that I that I really appreciate you saying is like fleshing out like this idea of community, right? Is it has to be something that like I listened to this great podcast a few weeks ago, and the host was outlining the difference between like community and audience, right? And it's like, every brand today likes to say they have a community, right? Like, that's like the cool new thing to say is like, you know, yeah. subscribe to our newsletter and join our community, right? We and it's like, they're just going to send you emails, right? Or whatever. <laughs> it's not real community. But but what I appreciate about this host is what they said is like, the difference between community and audience is that, right, if you have community, dialogue, conversation, value can happen without you. If you don't, if, if, if it falls apart, you, you might have a huge audience, and that's great. But if that dialogue, right, isn't happening without you, then you don't really have a community. And so to, to, again, to your point, figuring out like how do higher ed marketers, how do enrollment managers think about creating true community in their institutions, right? Among their students so that they can leverage that community to attract others, uh, as opposed to just, you know, picking a couple of token student testimonials and student stories and plastering that around, you know, their, within the context of their email conflows. Anyways, that was a lot, but um, what, any, any thoughts or any, anything else you want to add on that? Yeah. I mean, the, your, your point about reviews is a really interesting one. And I think in, in different markets, this is happening already. Um, so I know in the UK, when you Google a university, you will get a Google review next to it ah. and you will see those comments. Um, 
And I know in the, the US, it is it is slightly different. You have um, a lot more going on in your search results for universities. Um, but yeah, for, for us, we get Google reviews next to them. Um, and I've seen some universities really lean into that in the in the UK. Um, uh, one of them is Loughborough University. Um, huh. One of them is London Trent University. And um, I don't know if Loughborough still do it, but at one point they were putting their student reviews on their homepage, which wow. is very risky. That's bold. That's um, bold. Bold, very bold. Um, that university is known for doing some pretty bold stuff and, and doing it quite well. Um, but uh, yeah, they they had uh, star reviews from a number of different sources pulled into their homepage, and it reminded me of like witch.com, which is like a comparison site. And you know, it's 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 really interesting to see that starting to creep into to higher education. I say creep, but I actually think it's a good thing because it treats it like you know this is a spear you're buying into. You want to get authentic reviews. Yeah, um, I like it. Um, and I'd love to see more of it. Love that. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned early on is like people are getting tired of hearing this word storytelling, and storytelling is you know has become a sort of buzzword um, in mm. in just about every industry, um, especially in higher ed. But another like buzzword that I think a lot about that still you go to these marketing conferences and you still hear this all the time, like, you know, you really need to communicate in an authentic way. Like you, you really need to start being authentic in your communications, right? Like, you know, when it comes to your brand messaging, be sure that it's authentic. And it's like every time I hear this, it actually it, it feels like, you know, if you say that. Now you're not actually being authentic because everybody says that, right? Um, and I, and so I like I'd love your thoughts or ideas on like how can people do community marketing in a way that is genuine, in a way that is uh, actually representative of their institution, of their value proposition, and how do they do that in a way that doesn't feel forced? How do they do that in a way right that comes across with you know? authentically without actually like needing to tout the fact that they are authentic storytellers. Yeah, that's a great observation. Um, okay. Let's unpack that, that slightly. Uh, so the, it is, it is, yeah, not only is it a buzzword, um, but I just, I just don't think it's true. Um, and I, I I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm, I'm actually going to say that I don't think people want, authenticity um ooh, ooh, unpack, not, that, unpack <laughs> that yeah yeah here we go right and I'm, it's not just my opinion right I've, I've also looked at um like industries to kind of benchmark this slightly um and it, i think it's the type of authenticity they want so you know let's let's look at a few stats right so you know over the last five years um the number of patents for like augmented reality virtual reality they've grown by 277 percent right yeah the yeah. tech company oculus owned by facebook you know for facebook that's 20 percent of their workforce working in that company that's facebook's workforce 20 percent. right now zuckerberg came out recently he's talking about the metaverse which is sort of like his take on you know the oasis and ready player one which is quite a frightening prospect <laughs> um but what i'm getting here at is it like you know that doesn't sound like to me that people are looking for the authentic really um and it sounds to me there's a lot of things going on with something else right huh. and if you want to bring it a wee bit back down to earth um i guess you could say if you do a kind of surface view of platforms like youtube and tiktok instagram you know and have a look at the, the most popular content 
you know, it's unfortunate, but it still tends to be pushed by beautiful people. Yeah. Right. So, you know, are people looking for authenticity? No. Or, or are they looking for like escape? Do they want to be part of something bigger online? Are they looking to find belonging in, in that way? So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like to think that we're all being authentic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, are, are we searching for that? And, you know, if you want me to bring it back around to community marketing, how you capture that and still have that angle, um, you know, maybe it's it shouldn't be a question of being more real. Um, maybe it should be about creating an experience that young people want to aspire to. So, yeah. you know, you, you give them meaning, you give them something to strive for, um, you, you know, you give them stories told by people living the life that they want for themselves. Because remember, they're looking to apply. They're looking for a university to deliver an experience that they do not yet have themselves, right? So it's, you know, that's that's important because that's what I feel the, the audience expects. And, you know, they, they want to look at your institution and see people experiencing that sort of college dream you know they don't want to see the reality of being hunkered down in a study bedroom with a dirty sink and laundry everywhere yeah so as a marketer you know you, you could view it as it's your role to sort of set that that stage um and you know you're you're helping students get their their voice through but you're helping them do it in the best possible light you know if you just give someone a smartphone and let them have at it chances are you're not going to get some like really meaningful content but if you as a marketer support them with all your resources your expertise your knowledge and help them shape that content package it up in a way that you know it looks great and it comes from a student voice then it's more likely to connect so that's my sort of view on authenticity or at least a lens of it if you want to approach it from that angle yeah no i i appreciate those those thoughts and 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 that insight and what it makes me think about is like it's almost like if you have authentic community at your college or university, it's mm -hmm. a feeling, right? Like you don't have to say yeah. anything. It just it just mm -hmm. is. And if you don't and you're including it in your messaging, it's probably because you don't have it, right? Like yeah. if you have to say it, if, authentic, <laughs> if authenticity is a word that you use a lot in your communications, it's probably because you don't have it. Because if you had it, right, you should be able to evoke that sort of feeling without needing to use the actual that's word. It. Yeah. That's it. It's just, it's a feeling you feel when you, you talk to a member of that community, yeah. you know, if your conversation makes you feel something, um, then that, that is part of that sort of authentic narrative. And, you know, it's about human to human communication. And I know in, it, in itself saying like, you know, let's be human marketers. That in itself is, again, it's not one of those cliches, but, you know, it is about that feeling, that, that sense of connection rather than the, not the need to be, to be authentic. Yeah, yeah. So when you think about community marketing and how it fits into the greater mix of enrollment marketing strategies, do you think that this is like, this is sort of the foundation for everything that a school does when it tries mm. to recruit students or is it a particular you know element of marketing like paid search is to digital advertising like when you think about community marketing is it is it a tactic or is it a strategy um i i think it's a brand's a brand's community you know that's not just the market, a marketing strategy that's that's a business strategy yeah um so 
you know, if you look at Full Sail University, um, it's a specialist gaming institution, um, and they, you know they focus on uh, getting young people into the games industry. It's, it's really cool, actually. Um, so, you know, in order to to make that happen, they have to get involved in these various communities. But to do that, you know, they don't they don't run a bunch of Google ads or sponsor posts on Instagram. You know, um, you know what they do is they go out to like top gaming like YouTubers and they get the host to talk about their university on their channel and they don't do it in a scripted way. You know, they just let the host talk about that, that university in whatever way uh, they want to. Um, you know, what else do they do? They, they go to um, gaming um, expos, right. And they, they meet, you know, these, uh, the people in, in the real sort of natural habitat and where they, they want to be found. And they're talking to people interested in games and, and getting into the industry. You know, they're there in of the community they're not just kind of on on the outskirts throwing in ads that they're down there and talking to people and you know that that carries all the way through to their enrollment because they give every new student a brand new current generation macbook pro because Mm. they know that if a student has the latest tech they're going to produce better work that's going to lead to more students getting hired and better stories being told as a result so for me, that's bigger than a marketing department. Yeah. You know, that's that's a business strategy. And I, I don't know what you think about that. I, I wish more universities would kind of extend their their strategies across the business and not yeah. just focus on those silos. Yeah, and I think that there's some shifts happening there as like marketing gets more of a you know seat at the big kids table, mm. the adult table. Mm. But I, I do think, yeah, it's it's slow. Um, especially especially in the states, it's still slow. Um, but you know, as you were talking about full sale, like uh, something that came to mind is one of the, as just a real challenge for higher ed marketers, especially those in leadership, right? Especially those mm. like where you know you've got a president that's especially involved. Uh, at the college or university and or just like very hands-on um, and, you know, very opinionated is like one of the one of the things that can happen is folks try to do community marketing or they try to speak in the voice of the student, but they tell these student ambassadors or they tell these student yeah. marketers like, here's the script, read it. And what it sounds like you were saying that Full Sail does is they go to these YouTubers, they go to these streamers, right? And they say, they probably provide some context and, and some guidelines, but then they allow them, right, to speak. And it's almost like, you know, when you go to, I don't know, like a, a franchise, like I, I the, the example that comes to mind, I don't know if you guys, do you guys have Orange Theories, the gyms uh, in the UK? Have you heard of like Orange Theory? It's like a hit workout class. Um, no, not not personally, but it doesn't mean it don't exist. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I don't know if it's in the UK yet, but um, basically just high intensity high intensity interval training gyms. These fifty minute sort of like workout group workout classes is what it is. And obviously, you know, it's uh, there's a corporate uh, HQ right there that owns the brand, but then that brand is licensed to people who are franchisees that want to have their independent businesses. Anyways, I bring this up because like. You know, when you go and, you know, my wife and I are actually digital nomads. So we hop around to, you know, new places in the States, new Airbnbs every every couple of weeks. And we do Orange Theory because it's a gym that like we can just rely on. Right. And every Orange Theory that you go to is it it feels a little bit different. Like the people are different. The voice is different. Like, you know, the the, there are some with great community and there are some where it's like you can kind of tell people are here to get their workout in and they're checking out like they are not interested in engaging (laughs) with you. Right. Um, and yet, like the brand is consistent, 
right? So, so they've nailed like, a, you know, whatever guidelines corporate HQ has there, like each studio that we go to has a similar feel, but it's almost mm. like the the tone is different. And so it, it's, yeah. I think for colleges and universities, for hired marketers, it's like, okay, how do you provide some sort of like standardization, some sort of like brand standards, but then again, allow that flexibility for the student to develop the culture, develop the tone in a way that is genuine to how they think, how they speak, et cetera. So I don't know if that analogy is a little bit of a stretch, but I wonder like how folks can can adopt those sorts of frameworks because I think that like the fear, Kyle, the fear is that like, oh, if we let the student talk, if we give if we give the student access to the TikTok account, like what what happens if they do X, Y, and Z, right? And yet <laughs> I, I feel like we, we gotta get over that. We we have to find a way to move past that fear. Yeah, I, I I completely agree, and you know I think the the interesting thing that's happening now is I know there's that there was that fear of handing over these the keys to the marketing kingdom if you like, um, but I, usually when these accounts are run by students, and I, I don't know if it's the same with other universities, but I know from my own personal experience when I managed a team of digital ambassadors, you know we had dis- we had like editorial meetings hmm. you know we were planning content going out what people were working on so it's not like it just appears on the channel one day <laughs> um <laughs> you kind of know what's what's coming um and you see early drafts and you know you let them design that experience and usually it's just like you you might tidy up some edges or something or suggest some something slightly different um but you are involved in the process uh, but you you know you can worry about all the kinds of admin if you like and making sure it's it's suitable but you let them come up with the ideas because only they live in these channels we don't yeah. you know we don't experience it the same way i mean my tiktok algorithm is going to be completely different to like someone studying at a university aren't they isn't yeah. it so um yeah i mean it doesn't mean you have to give up control completely you're still involved in the process but you just need to let go a little bit yeah you know? and i think that's the first step yeah so what are a couple other you, you've given us a couple of great examples already but any just mm. other examples of schools that you think are doing community marketing really well and you know any do's and don'ts tips and tricks for folks who are like hey kyle i hear you i know that we need to do this but struggling to figure out like how to get started what are some examples um additional examples you'd recommend folks kind of go take a look at and then what mm. are you know what's a simple sort of framework for how to get a community marketing strategy sort of off the ground at a college or university i mean uh, there's, there's loads of examples um but i think there's, there's two that stuck out to me recently um one one a u.s example and one a, a uk one um so the, the u.s one is from uh, the University of Redlands, um, and it's a very simple video titled "Living at the University of Redlands." <laughs> um, so I think we've all seen these accommodation tour videos, yeah, and and usually they're like sort of three sixties, or it's you know a student haphazardly showing you around these residences, and you know they somehow tour like these empty, beautiful, pristine flats, which you know don't feel very close to the reality of what they are. <laughs> um, but this is what I really liked about Redland, though. Um, so what they what they did was they did the whole like high quality video thing and the student touring around the residences, but they also spoke about the people living there. 
Um, and they showed the inside of student flats and they interviewed students in those flats and why they live in those halls. Um, you know, and you were learning like little anecdotes, like what the nicknames the halls are and what type of student lives in the halls. And you get that extra layer mm. of uh, insight to what it's like to be part of that community. And the, the thing is only like two minutes long, you know, but I got a lot more from that than I did looking at a 360 tour on like another university's website. Yeah. Um, yeah. So have a look at that one for a good start. And um, the second example is a little bit more hard to put together, but I think is worth it in the long run. So um, the other one's from a university called Aston University in the UK. Um, and they do a magazine every year for their admits. Um, so the people who, you know, have um, been accepted by the university, if you like, um, and hold an offer in, in UK language. <laughs> um, so the, the magazine is completely written by students and it focuses on topics that are of interest to students at that point in their, their journey. So mental health, um, what's mm. it like to live on campus, the difference between um, high school and university study. And each topic is explored by a student from the student perspective. Um, and it's, it feels like a real publication. It's called New Student. You know, it's, it feels like something that's quite, uh, quite high quality. It's print. So it actually automatically stands out because yeah. everyone's getting rid of the print <laughs> publication. Um, uh, but the, the the great thing is that, you know, every every person who reads that, they can connect to talk to the writers of the article because every writer is a, a digital ambassador and they use Unibuddy. Um, so they can go online, they can talk to them directly. And, you know, it's done really well for Aston. Um, they, they see uh, an improved acceptance rates of, of offers. So people actually, you know, then turning up at the the university. So it's it does work. These, these things do work. Um and, you know, in, in terms of the uh, tips for people to getting started, I mean, you know, have a look at that article I wrote, I guess. <laughs> um, it's on Unibuddy's site. I mean, there's there's loads of examples in there. Um, but uh, the I think you start with a, a principle. If, you know, if you're using your current students in any sort of marketing communication, you know, that's, that's a good start. And I think maybe like a first step is, you know, if you're just doing your standard email flows, you know, maybe look at those flows and think, you know, how how can I incorporate more of a student voice into this? Mm. Um, I think that's the first good question to ask. And a lot of any big project and getting buy-in, it, it usually uh, starts with like a prototype and proof of concept and doing well with it, doesn't it? So that's a good way to start, you know, start thinking beyond like the sort of, you know, general student talking heads, you know, um, University of Toronto, I think it's Toronto. Um, they have student sort of profiles on on YouTube, um, but they're laced with stories. So there's there's one by a, a student. I think his name's Griffin, um, and he is really passionate about film. And by that cause, his whole video is sort of dancing around that subject. It talks about his experience at the university, but. You know, he's, he's touring around like you know the city streets, but he's he's looking at it as if he's making a movie. It's energetic. You get to feel his passion for it. Yeah, you know, that's that's the new standard for a student profile. Yeah. You know, we're moving beyond now that someone just pops on and talks about how great their program is. Yeah, um, that's that's how to get started. I think. Yeah, that's wonderful and uh, just a solid roadmap to to get running and. You know, what I think is a super simple hack 
for folks, right, to get started. So if you're listening to this and you're just like, okay, cool, yep, I know you're speaking to me. I I know my website needs some work. I know my Confluence needs some work. You know, I know that we need to do a better job incorporating the student voice. Maybe a place to just start is like revisit the questions that you would ask mm-hmm. students, right, before you write those Confluence or before you record that video, whatever it might be. And, and you know, a lot of times I feel like schools, they – they ask the same questions like, what is your experience at University X been like? Or, hey, talk to us a little bit about why you picked us. Like, why did you pick the University of Notre Dame, right? And then what happens is like content all kind of looks the same across the gamut because students were asked the same questions. Like, what happens when you go a layer deeper? Like, you know, even something like, what's something that you've changed your mind about since coming to college here, right? Or like, you know, what has surprised you about your work in this particular program that you weren't expecting? Or, you know, what does it look like to just get a layer deeper? Because in the spirit of quote unquote authenticity, right? Students, when you ask a very open-ended broad question, you're gonna get a vanilla answer, right? Yeah. Like it's not, yeah. it's going to be basic because how is it, you know, 18, 19 year old going to be, how do I, you know, summarize my experience and or <laughs> why I picked, you know, this university in two minutes or less? Like, and you're only going to cut 20 seconds of it and then it's going to sound exactly yeah. the same as the university's down the street because guess what? You asked the same really broad question. What does it look like? Get, get one layer, two layer, three layers deeper and ask yeah. something like, what's something you changed your mind about since coming to school here? Mm. That answer, that's going to be an authentic an- answer. That That is going to help like differentiate from the crowd. And that's going to speak just a little bit more candidly to, to prospects. So I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but maybe the, that's like one very practical takeaway and hack is like revisit the questions that you ask prospects when trying to source reviews source sort of like user generated content that you can use for your communications yeah i i think that's a really good shout and it it automatically puts your communications on a unique and and better foot doesn't it and i mean from my previous experience as well i think actually interviewing or connecting with students in their own environments helps greatly as well and it always makes me laugh looking at like student profiles and seeing like a student being recorded in a really grand room in the in the university that's probably never really used, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, some of the great stuff on the red on Redlands is it's shot in like student rooms, you know, and obviously I think they've been tidy for the shoot, um, but it, it it feels homely, it feels like it's theirs, uh, and you can't get that when you're shooting in front of like um, a really iconic location on campus. It it just doesn't it takes away from the human connection sort of experience. So, I mean, look to have those kind of really interesting questions and then mix it up perhaps with like a place that a student actually feels comfortable in. Yeah. Yeah. Like their beanbag chair, right? Like, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Their neon blue beanbag chair. That's it. Um, Well, Kyle, this has been awesome. Uh, Any, any like, you know, parting thoughts, any sort of like, hey, if folks who are listening to this conversation, right, want to go and implement something in their context, or, you know, are going to walk away with one or two things on their mind, what, what are you hoping that folks will walk away with? What is uh, any, you know, final words of encouragement you have for folks who feel like they love what you're saying, but aren't entirely sure, like how they're going to pull this off? What would you leave our listeners with today? Start. It's, it, 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 you're not a million miles away from 
from doing this already. You just haven't probably called it community marketing before. Um, and I think as soon as we put a label on something, it becomes like a strategy and approach <laughs> and a new thing. It, it automatically gets a lot of eyes on it. So, you know, I mean, like I said before, it, it's it's really just starting to introduce some of these uh, techniques and approaches into your, your current work and seeing where you can make that change, uh, those small changes today. And then, you know, a few months down the line, you'll realise that, you know, the, the communications you work on by default suddenly have more student voice in them um and in terms of like support I, I think it is important that people know they're not alone on this and it is you know a growing trend across commercial industries and you know other other sectors um and you know my team and I we've started a, a fortnightly newsletter about you know how to get educated in, in community marketing and you know you know i don't want to kind of plug everything so much but because that's not what community marketing is about is it <laughs> um but yeah we we do have resources to help you with this uh, if you want to do a bit of reading first so you can find those at unibuddy forward slash the chat um and it's a fortnight newsletter that kind of lays it out for you um you know we've already published like a an article with 30 examples of what universities are doing in this space um this week we're working on you know how to write the best digital ambassador job descriptions to attract the, the right sort of talent for your community marketing efforts and we'll be doing that for a number of weeks just to kind of explore the topic because i don't know i was very surprised to find out that not many people write about this stuff in the university space it's quite covered in other areas but no one's made the bridge yet it seems um well, at least not built like a content resource around it so I hope people think they're not alone in this and that we can help them. So yeah, um, feel free to uh, subscribe and we hopefully will teach you something uh, new there. Yeah. And, and we will make it really easy for you listening. Just scroll down. We'll drop all these links in the show notes so you can click on over to subscribe to the chat and check out Unibuddy and all of their, their other resources. We'll also drop Kyle's uh, social handles uh, in the show notes so you can follow him and, you know, read what he has to say across, you know, the channels that he is active on. But Kyle, this has been super helpful. I've learned a lot and I know that our, our listeners have as well. Uh, thank you for your time and, and thank you for the great work that you do. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Take care. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.